Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 236, and today we'll be talking about the 26th issue of the Steven Universe comic book series. I'm GC13. And I'm David. I know I say this about a lot of the comics, but I really wish that these were episodes. Oh yeah. I mean, hey, at, at least there were two fusions in this one. Technically three, depending on how you count. Yeah, well, we saw some pretty trippy things because of the mind distortion field that appears to be in uh, whatever this weird asteroid belt thing that they're in. I I find their nightmares fascinating, actually. Lars and Rodanite both had dreams where they were in physical danger. The Rutiles and Florite both had dreams where they were going to be separated from their loved ones, but Padparasha... I can't really find an easy explanation for why being in orbit around Homeworld was so scary for her. Well, it almost feels like it's just the most generic thing (laughs) to give her. Okay, now now hear me out here. I, I cannot say that I am sure this is what they were going for, but what if her fear... Of homeworld, you know, homeworlds in their past, theoretically. What what if she's afraid to face up to the fact that she sees the past, not the future? Just because, oh, like that's before they even left <laughs> seeing homeworld yeah, like, out of their observation deck. I mean, like, like what if homeworld, something from her past, is what she's being confronted with because she doesn't want to confront the reality that you know she's a past seer, not a future seer. I mean, that would probably be the most personal and deeply troubling of all the nightmares. Yeah, that would that would be pretty bad. Yeah, compared to just Rodanite being split, I feel like her, of everyone else, should realize that she's in some sort of nightmare dream because it just doesn't make any sense at all that they're separate because they weren't like a fourth yeah. fusion gem. They're literally yeah, one how gem. Yeah, how the Rutiles could be split up like that. Yeah, but everyone else is fine. I mean, it makes sense how Lars is specifically so afraid of Aquarina Topaz, because obviously he was first abducted by them. I think it's a little weird that our lovely six-gem fusion is in a court that I can't think she would have ever seen before. Yeah, that's... I mean, maybe maybe the thing is pulling on Lars's memories as well to put her there. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, because we don't know what is causing this field. I mean, honestly, we don't even know if it's related to where they zoomed off to. I mean, I would assume it is that there's something activating their fears, but... Emerald figured that that nebula had a had a bit of a reputation. So I'm, I'm assuming it's something in the nebula, or perhaps the nebula is the thing that's causing it. That would be really trippy if the nebula was the thing. We haven't seen something in Steven Universe like this, though, besides Steven, that has this kind of power that affects both yeah. gems and humans. But hey, sci-fi loves its loves its gaseous creatures, so... I mean, this is completely new to Steven Universe, though. Sure, we've seen alien creatures, but if there's some other alien thing messing with their minds... I, I'm not even sure what the justification for this will be, because it can't be a gem artifact... Or else, you know, Emerald would have known about it already. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe she did. She she knew something was wrong, wrong with that nebula. But it'd be weird if it is gem tech, how it's affecting Lars. Well, we had the Harmony Cores, which were able to subjugate humanity as well. Well, yeah, actually, you're right. That's true. I was thinking more about the timeline 
of the of the comic book series, though, and it actually all makes perfect sense if you just sit down and think about it, because this happens before the big show, which itself comes, like, not very long after your mother and mine. So I think what happened is Jungle Moon happened, and then your mother and mine happened, and what happened there is Fluorite tried to but failed to fix the Nova Thrusters, but they got the reactor back online, still needed the parts, and then in here, she finally finishes repairing, then they, ha- then they have the Nova Thrusters after this. Because there's not really long after the big show before Lars and the crew make it back to Earth. Right, and it's even more connected that they're showing the cool kids preparing for a show. I mean, I guess they'd be doing that anyway, but it all sort of feels right. And so, yeah, I think you're completely on the mark with the timeline there. Well, no, he he makes it super clear that this is before the big show because he's talking about doing a behind the scenes. This is the second issue he's done that in. So they're just making sure that we know when in the timeline this takes place, right before the big show. But I know that last time we were kind of wondering about what the deal with the Nova Thrusters is, and I, I think I figured it out. Just think logically. I will say this. I was I, I was amused that Connie referred to Buck as Buck Dewey. Like, that's not something I would ever expect to hear in show. I I know it's an incredibly minor nitpick, but it did kind of jump out at me. I mean, wouldn't she know his name? Yeah, I mean, she's, so what did Buck Dewey give you for Lars? She sh- Why didn't she just call him Buck? Like, he is never referred to by someone else as Buck Dewey. I have no idea. Connie's, uh, it, well, I'm trying to think of how often she interacted with the cool kids outside of this I comic. I don't know that she's ever, ever done that. So we, we don't know what show Connie would do, but we, we we do know that, like, no one ever calls him that. Yeah, I mean, Steven introduced Sadie to the cool kids, but I don't recall any time that Steven said, hey, Connie, here's the cool kids. This is almost like a first yeah. hang- hangout time, uh, but it appears as though she's comfortable with it or like already knows. And like even Buck says, hey, guys, come on in. So like he knows about Connie. But yeah, this version of Connie is a little bit a little bit more Connie than normal. <laughs> like the way she says her phrase. She's like, when she first comes into their, like, messy room and sees the pizza, she's like, far be it from me to turn down pizza. <laughs> that would be rude. <laughs> like, that is so Connie. Yes, there are many ways to say things, as, <laughs> as Pearl might say. So, yeah, I don't know. She's just a little a little off, but, um, yeah, I like it. Good old Buck Dewey. Also, also I, think, I think Sour Cream over-explains what he's doing. She's on her way. I'm saving some files right now and mixing some stuff together to show her. Like, I can't see him giving such a long drawn out explanation. But again, this is this is super nitpicky stuff. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like that could be in character for sour cream, but um, it's whatever. They they're just kind of holding out the moment that's yeah. giving us a break between the transition to their nightmares. I mean, we we get this big, sweet, full page image. Of Lars being confronted by Phantom Topaz and Aquamarine, there so cool. Yeah, I well, and to get to see them in this art style, Topaz just looks. I mean, I described <laughs> Emerald this way too, but just menacing, like a real force to deal with. Yeah, just the but the transition there. You you see Lars start to have the you know he's looking around. There's nobody there. Then like the vision goes weird, and you see the oh dear me, and then you turn the page. 
and you're confronted with just a full page of awesome right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. Topaz is ready to go, and Aquamarine is being classic Aquamarine smug. Smug as ever, and then as cold as ever with the close-up on her face. But I, I did like that right before this, the fact that Lars actually brings up the idea that Steven could bring him gas Oh yeah, like is that smart. Was, that, was, that was also a really good juxtaposition. You know, I don't want Lars to feel like he's been abandoned. And then the very next thing is Lars indicating that he does not feel in any way abandoned. Like, he thinks Steven's there for him, because he is. He he knows he is. But they really need a better communication system, because uh, Lars just has to wait around for Steven to show up. Would have been really great if, um, I don't know. They could run a a tin can with some string in between it. I mean, that would work, right? Like, (laughs) if you pulled the string tight enough, that would actually work through the portal. Although, we've already seen in show that somehow, like, satellites for cell phones are way out in deep space. So... (laughs) <laughs> any anything could be possible steven weirdly getting signal but with the with the power of string tension there i mean yeah. we could just put a signal booster it, it, theoretically you know i see no reason why a cell phone signal would not propagate through lion's mane because pearl can get the cell phone signal in her pearl i mean honestly we could give lars wi-fi like if you just string like a router just pull the ethernet cable through lion's head don't they have websites where you can send text messages so he could text Steven whenever he wanted. Or they could be on Skype or something. Or Discord. Whatever. It requires Lion to cooperate, though. Like, Lars wouldn't have a problem with something just sticking out of his head. No, but Lion might mess would, around uh... with it like a cat, so. Hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure we could figure it out. We could we could tape a phone to Lion and use it <laughs> as a Wi-Fi hotspot. Right. The question is, if there's, like, could you put a device outside of Lion? Like, could the signal travel through a not currently activated portal into Lion's forehead? There are many questions, but... <laughs> we ask the hard-hitting questions here. <laughs> Can we get Wi-Fi through Lion's mane? <laughs> I wonder, though, who was the defense attorney in Fluorite's trial? I mean, it, I kind of got the impression that it was Yellow Zircon for a change, but she's the one who bubbled Fluorite in the first place. Maybe shut up, client, you're not helping things? <laughs> yeah. It does seem a fluorite's also I said pad approaches would be personal if it was like dealing with her past vision, but fluorite is also definitely dealing with something very personal to her. She looks like incredibly in distress when she both sees the diamonds and uh, then hears her sentence like there's a really depressing little in frame frame with just her crying that is depressing as heck. (laughs) That's a that's a pretty cruel punishment. All things considered. I do like the classic Captain Lars outmaneuvering of the Phantom Robinoid and the Phantom Topaz, though. Yeah, Lars has really got his thinking cap on, um, thinking about how he won't get affected by gem tech. Which, in the show, he that seems to be knowledge he gained in the in the comic canon. Because I don't remember... did he, Well, I guess he knew that from when they were being attacked by the Robinoid, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the way he, he originally became... To protect yeah, so he did have that. But yeah, the, just, the, just the ending is like, ooh, boy. I mean, I don't want to use the term cliffhanger, but it kind of fits. I mean, they're, they're doing the comic thing, you know. They definitely got their to-be-continued going on. It'd be... I, I'm just really fascinated by what's controlling them. I also didn't know how that... 
I didn't think Stephen would be included in the story in this way directly. I, I guess I wasn't really concerned the fact that Stephen could just come through Lars's head at any time. But now Stephen's actually going to take an active role in the story. I just assumed the story would be mostly separate the whole time. But that was naive to think because we were getting cutaways to Stephen. The yeah, past I issue. Mean, so. The stories the stories have to merge sometime now. The, the question you really got to ask is how does Buck's letter save the day? Yeah, that was very uh, mysterious. The <laughs> why they had to come get a letter in the first place, but we'll see. I guess maybe that'll snap Lars out of his trance. I mean, I was just thinking maybe it's a scratch and sniff card or something just really dumb. <laughs> well, that would be way it's funnier. Not a sc- it's not a scratch and sniff card, but <laughs> imagine if it was. I mean, what, what what kind of scratch and sniff card would Buck even give him? Probably probably something donut related. <laughs> Where would he find a scratch and sniff donut card in the first place? I guess we do have the internet in Steven Universe. Yeah, I mean, you have everything on the internet. Now I need to go like look up on Amazon scratch and sniffs. This seems like a very dangerous thing for me to know about and just start purchasing. It's like, oh, these scratch and sniff cards are so cheap. <laughs> I can just start <laughs> sniffing everything. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, don't don't know don't know what's in Buck's letter, but I just feel like it's the they they, they did it. They set it up so obviously. Yeah. Well, it kind of reminds me of uh <laughs> of the sweater Finn gets uh back in the second season finale, filled with the power of Lila li- liking someone a lot. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. So this letter may be filled with a similar kind of power. But it's at least going to get Lars out of the trance. I, I don't know what else it could do. Mm-mm. Besides that, we'll find out. Unfortunately, Pat Parasha was back to being her normal meme self. We're entering a nebula. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, her characterization was really special. I mean, she still speaks complete sentences, though, in this comic. So that's still deviating from the norm. Hmm. And see, the funny thing is, though, in, in her in her little nightmare vision, though, she says, I'm getting a vision. That's not Homeworld. And then she finishes off. None of this is real. So she's talking present tense there again. Yeah, I mean, she seems to uh, this is where her power is useful again. She seems to be aware compared to everyone else is not aware that they're in some kind of nightmare. Oh, yeah, this this would be the perfect place for Pat Barasha because she sees things the way they really are, or I should say the way they really were a few seconds ago. So this, she is basically your master defense against illusion magic. Well, and that may become even more important if Steven and Connie also succumb to whatever's going on, because I'm not sure how they're going to avoid the same mm. fate. Like, whatever's happening, why would it be targeting only our five crew members specifically? I mean, it- could have happened all at once, meaning Emerald would be safe to enter if she waited. Uh, speaking of Emerald, by the way, I'm I'm not happy that she's on the cover so prominently and then not like not even mentioned. Well, no, they kind of mention her. Oh, she hasn't chased us. Ooh, That's such a comic book thing to do, that though. Is such unrelated a comic covers. Book thing. Yeah, like like they had one awesome comic book cover recently that had everyone cosplaying for camp fighting hearts and then lapis isn't even in it or something i mean comic book covers are kind of like music videos all the band members are there but that doesn't mean that it has to be related to the content of the song in any way 
You're like, yeah. why is this music video about what it's about? Why are... <laughs> I know I should not get salty about comic book covers because that's just the name of the game. You gotta move the, gotta move the pulp. But, I mean, come on, it's Emerald. It, it's like putting Opal on the cover and then not giving me Opal. It's just cruel. Right. It's basically just a kind of... It feels like this cover could have gone... It's just kind of like j- about the series in general and not this specific comic. It has this really weird aesthetic, though, where like Emerald and Lars are really detailed, but then the ships are almost like video game icons, like yeah. really clean, very simple icons. I don't I don't know why it's like that. But I guess if you look at it, yeah, it does make sense that this is kind of summarizing where we're at, you know, space pirate Lars and then a very nervous Emerald. Right. It doesn't reveal anything. So at least it's not a spoilery cover. Hmm. But yeah. Like I said, I, I am definitely, I'm definitely intrigued to find out more. I I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, but there are there are signs that issue number 27 is going to wrap this all up, even though it's just, just the third issue, because the description that they have for issue 28 apparently has absolutely nothing to do with what's going on here, even though the cover definitely does. Like, I think the cover has, either the cover or the description is a mistake. Let's put it that way. Oh, that's really strange. Well, I guess we'll see where it goes. Didn't we know for sure that this was a four-comic series, though? I had heard that it was going to be three issues, which is why I checked issue 28 specifically. So Mm. I I guess we'll see what happens after issue 27 comes out next month. I mean, I feel like it definitely could be resolved, but also this just feels like such a short story. Like, however they get out of this, they only have, like, 20 pages to do it. I mean, you can really compress stuff in comics sometimes and, like, it not even feel compressed. That said, I I think one or two issues would be good enough to wrap this story up, depending on how much explanation you wanted to give us. But yeah, like, looking, you have have a description about Amethyst being sad and Steven wanting to cheer her up, and then you have a cover with the diamonds, Topaz and Aquamarine, Captain Lars, and Emerald on it. Well, see, that almost sounds to me... I mean, following the idea that Steven gets tranced, maybe he deals with Amethyst in his nightmare. But then it feels like the story can't finish out that fast if he's also in a trance. I was considering that, especially because part of it says Steven doesn't know how or even if he can help. Like, that would be a nightmare for Steven, one of his friends being sad and him not being able to fix it. So, like, that is a very real possibility. But it'd be a strange twist to take to end the series this way. Or I don't even know how he would deal. I guess he could deal with that within the first third or half of the comic and then snap everybody else out of it, get them some fuel no. and get them on their way. But no, if if he if, if that's his trance, like for one, he'd have to go an entire issue without getting into a trance. That'd be interesting. But if, if he is in a trance in issue 28, then issue 29 will be continuing the story. It'd have to be that way. Yeah. But yeah, they definitely got me intrigued. That was a good ending. Uh, not too cliffhangery, but definitely TBC. To be continued. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about the comic? Issue three, the final slash maybe not final issue. Here we come, I guess. Yeah, like, I'm, re- I'm ready for what comes next. I'm ready, I'm ready to see, I'm ready to meet or discover what's, what's causing all this. I'm fascinated. Yeah, only another month to go. Good thing we have plenty of Steven Universe content to tide us over. (laughs) 
As I always say. <laughs> I mean, I will say this though. This is this is this is super reminiscent of the Harmony Corps, though. Like you, you got the blank eyes. You got the them their their brains transported somewhere else. This is a little bit more malevolent than the Harmony Corps was, but prototype. Who knows? It'd be fascinating if they were connected. I mean, it seems at least technology-wise they're connected. It'd be really crazy if they connected it such that the comics are, like, giving us all this background for these gem devices that ultimately connect to, like, the movie or something, the way that we expected the Harmony Corps to. I would love that so much. But only time can tell. Time will tell! Anyway, guys, that's been us on issue number 26. Join us next week where we'll be talking about the Fusion Frenzy comic issue. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.